What do you do? All right. So this is what I do. I'm a solo, you see. So I'm, you know, I like getting in a fight. So I go to the nearest 7-Eleven because I know at a 7-Eleven, I'm always going to get in a fight. You walk, you approach the sliding doors, but nothing happens. You realize that today is 7-Eleven day when all 7-Elevens are closed. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What happened here? 7-Eleven day used to mean I used to be able to get a Slurpee. So are you saying in the future past, depending on when this is supposed to take place, this game would take place, 7-Elevens now close on 7-Eleven? Of course, yeah. They had to commemorate their victory and all the fallen soldiers over the convenience wars. All right, this sounds kind of weird. I don't want to play anymore. (laughs) <laughs> Mom! <laughs> this is whack I wanted to go to 7-Eleven start a fight, get a Slurpee and get a hot dog preferably the blue or the better mm-hmm. throw some chili on top of that walk outside and go to Takashi Towers That's sit right. outside and start selling my hit single <laughs> as you begin to walk away you hear a sound from the side of the 7-Eleven. I look uh, at the sound. A gruff man beckons you over. Well, I, okay. Um, uh, putting the uh, hot dog in one of my free hot dog carrying pockets, I put it away and I, I walk towards the man. He's He says, Oh, jeez. I, I couldn't help but over here. You wanted to get into 7-Eleven. Well, I've got the key, but first you gotta do something for me. Alright, old man. I really want the hot dog. I really want the Slurpee. What do I need to do? Look at this picture of Carrot Top. <laughs> I fucking knew this was gonna do a Carrot Top sticker. <laughs> I fucking knew it. I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> Why did every conversation I have with you end with Carrot Top's dick room? Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no live. I ain't no doubt we gotcha. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. Welcome to Saga. Pop Saga. As in Pop Saga Selects. Today we're going to be talking about Goldfinger, the 1964 James Bond film based off the 1959 novel of the same name by Ian Flemings. That's confusing, isn't it? This film's featuring Sean Connery as 007 himself, James Bond, Honor Blackman as Bushy Galore. The only way I'd be ever this ever able to say that name in public. <laughs> Harold Sakata as Ajab, and Gert Frobe, or Froby, as the titular Goldfinger, written by Richard Maubaum, Paul Den, and directed by Guy Hamilton. I am double O positive John, and as always, I am joined by 867-5309 Forrest. (laughs) 
Let me ask you, how do you like your martini? Shaken, stirred, vodka or gin? Or not at all? Hmm. I enjoy a... uh, Well, I like a gin martini. I like the botanicals in gin. And as I think we discussed before, I like a little... I actually like a splash of vermouth in there. Not like a a bunch, but uh, not not none and um i go with uh five olives and i'll i'll tell you if i have them i would rather put garlic olives in there oh way to just ruin a martini all right cool cool and i well i like my martini stinky dirty i like it very dirty i mean i do I, I don't know why I said it's like such a weirdo, but I, dirty martinis uh, rule. How about you, John? How do you take your martini? All right. Well, first, real cold glass. Has Got to be it. super cold. Uh, a splash of vermouth literally run around the, the glass, poured out. Like, I don't even want that shit really sitting in there. Just, just a hint of it. And then gin. No olives, no, no nothing else. Uh, it and stirred. I don't care about shaking or not. Uh, tastes no different to me. In fact, tastes a little too diluted. So, just stir that fucker up. Call it a day. Or shit, don't yeah. even stir it. Just pour it in a glass. Shaking martinis get really cold, and that is nice. Um, but you know, for today's festivities, I made myself a little shoush <laughs> let's see if i can do this i'm not you with the uh, great cottery but uh south of, <laughs> you say the, of the borgia martini so you uh, made yourself a margarita no no i made myself uh mezcal Oh, okay. Uh, stirred and strained. Okay. Um, with a little, with a two mild jalapeno slices and a little bit of hollow, uh, jalapeno brine in there, and uh, that's all she wrote. So you have a shelf of the border martini. There you go. <laughs> Not shouch. Shelf. Shelf. Yeah. Shouch of the border. Yeah, it's close enough. Close <laughs> enough. Yeah. I figured I didn't do the intro in Connery because he's going to come up a lot and I'm going to just naturally fall into that where I'll just start talking like him and um, not even realize it. You know, I'm just going to yeah, well, like, this film's great. You know, and when I was filming here, it's funny, I didn't even touch foot. In the United States, Miami, call that pine wood. Oh, yeah, you couldn't tell that at all. He was so in Miami. (laughs) Miago, me, Miami. Not (laughs) ever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going there. Yeah, he, um, yeah. That's a good idea. Plus, you did the last, the, your last intro was in the Connery voice, so that would be... Yeah, and I didn't want to burn people out. I'm sure they're already like, John, shut up already with the Connery. And You're I'll like, oh, great. Them. They did Highlander, and now they're doing James Bond. Good way to go, guys. Oh, no, and we also did 
uh, Indiana Jones, and I decided to do the intro for some stupid reason as Sean Connery. So, <laughs> but like, not, but not as his dad, Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, not whatsoever. I <laughs> changed my name. Yeah, I like to mix it up. Common I like sense. it. Not you so gotta... common with me. <laughs> you gotta keep people on their toes. Yeah, gotta know they're listening. So. As you mentioned in the intro, this is a Pop Saga Selects because we have decided to go through every Bond franchise and pick out the ones that are either our favorites or uh, the consensus of the masses uh, being the best. Um, uh, Sometimes both. Sometimes all of the above. And then sometimes not, depending on your opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we'll get into it. There's, uh, you know, I think every Bond, every sort of section of Bonds or actor who has had their little chunk of movies, some longer than others, uh, I think uh, Timothy Dalton had a pretty short run. uh, (laughs) <laughs> I think a lot of people would, would agree with you there. It's been for as, uh, ever since I've actually seen those movies, so I don't know. I, I don't want to. I know that they're not. They're sort of generally considered to be the weaker ones. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'd have to see him again to to pass final judgment. But what he only did he get two, three, yeah, two. two, two, yeah. And that was right before Pierce Brosnan, right? Yeah. Like, um, I will say this. I think Timothy, Timothy Dalton strikes a fine-looking Bond. Yes. Anything else. He looks like a debonair secret agent, bar none. Like, probably even more than, you know, like Roger Moore or maybe Connery cuts a good silhouette as james bond but like timothy dalton looks like james bond to me then you watch the movies you go they're a little i remember them being a little sillier but not in the playful sort of like hyper real or hyper um i don't know what i'm trying to say here like a the alternate reality almost that were the the roger moore ones were like super campy but in a fun way and the tim dalton ones were sort of wacky without the fun am i remembering that correctly yeah funny but not ha ha funny more like ooh, you thought that was a good (laughs) choice huh (laughs) okay Okay, 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 Timothy Dalton. Show me what you got. Show me why you have a license to kill. Come on. <laughs> and then you're like, whoa, no. Uh, but I'm a weirdo. I'm a big fan of uh, George Lazenby as Bond. And he did just the one, right? He, just, he did the one, and I thought he, I thought he did a, he was great as Bond. Has probably one of my favorite Bond themes outside of the original... You know, you know, it the the Honor Majesty Secret Service has one of the best. So I thought this would be, you know, like an interesting select. We'll go through. We'll take a look at these top bonds of their respective eras and 
Yeah, we will pass judgment because that is what we do. Pop Indeed. Saga. Now, we select, and those who are certified saga is I we haven't worked that out yet. <laughs> We're still workshopping it. Forgive maybe, us. Maybe under construction. You know, approved pop. Nope, that sounds gross. <laughs> I mean, I guess if this was a podcast about soda, then that would make a lot of sense. Dude, welcome, how many? Welcome to Approve Pop. We're from the Midwest, so we call it pop. Even other places, you might call it soda. Or some places, you might paradoxically call it tonic. What's the matter with you guys? Yeah, you're weird. <laughs> you're weird. Pop talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like now a new now now a word from our sponsor. Fresca that slush at the bottom of your trash can with combination. <laughs> it's true, but we still drink it anyway. Mmm, <laughs> I for one love that trashy flavor. I've never lost so much weight. My doctor is concerned. <laughs> I like to use it as a means to gargle. It really clears the throat <laughs> by burning off any unnecessary parts of it. The Two weeks ago, I was worried about getting cavities. Since then, I've started eating, uh, drinking Fresca and also eating it. Don't ask how, you'll find out. But now, I don't worry about cavities at all because my teeth are gone. Thanks, Fresca. Uh, gather around, children. Open up a can of Fresca, grab a spoon, and dig in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got that. Uh, it's got that real. It's got a real body to it. Oh yeah, yeah. I I mean seriously, as much as we bash sodas in here, we should have a like small other podcast that just talks about our either love or disdain for a soda. Yeah, but. Let's do it. Soda right. cast. Soda cast. <laughs> you, you heard, heard it here, Fronos. Not, 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 you know, not pop. Not, not working anything else. We're just going to call it Soda cast. And then people <laughs> are going to sure be like, are you, taken. Yeah, are you talking about water? Sparkling water? Soda? <laughs> no, we're talking about where we're from the West Coast. Soda is cola, or, you know, a soft drink to us. None of you weirdos from the Midwest who call it pop. Want some pop? Coming up. Listen, everybody. I hope you're out there. I hope you're, uh, I hope now you're waiting with, uh, bated breath for the premiere of the Bubble Boys. Oh, is that what we're calling? The Fizzy Friends are here. To talk about America's favorite sugary obsession. The year is um, 1712, and Dr. Coca-Cola was uh, working in the lab late one night. <laughs> <laughs> I want to finish it, but I'm laughing too <laughs> So yeah, look forward to that. The the Bubble Boys or Fizzy Friends will uh, be coming at you with your uh, comprehensive guide to the world of soda pop. 
Bubble Boys. <laughs> bubble Boys. <laughs> We're the Bubble Boys. Bubbly Bubbly. Uh, I bet that's already taken too by a by a podcast that does like a minute by minute breakdown of the movie Bubble Boy, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I bet you that. But every episode is just a re breakdown of the previous episode. <laughs> or it's like they they do all of Bubble Boy and then they move on to John Travolta's Boy in the Bubble. Oh, they just go back and forth. Just yeah, just all bubble and boy related things. Oh, so like even if the bubble boy shows up on like The Simpsons or something, <laughs> exactly. They're like they're gonna break that down, take two hours. I mean, if they listen to us, they could take a thing or learn a thing or two about taking a movie that's an hour and a half and talk about <laughs> it for three hours. <laughs> well, actually, that's a that's an interesting that you would bring that up because. Mm. Um, that, that sort of dovetails nicely into a little bit about what this episode's going to be like, because we're not going to talk about it like our typical recap. Give me, hit me with that, uh, that, uh, sting, the, you know, the one with the hedgehog. <laughs> what the fucking, what do you mean? Dun, dun, dun. Uh-oh. Chipmunk. Or squirrel or something. I don't know if I thought it was chipmunk. It's probably a chipmunk, yeah. Okay, okay, but, okay. Uh, I got you, I got you. But yeah, we're not doing our uh, we're not doing our typical recap today. We're just going to talk about the movie and the things we liked and the things maybe we didn't like so much. And um, because uh, you need to know why Pop Saga has selected this. And um, I think you will... I think this, this one, this episode will be i think it might surprise some people <laughs> there we go that's perfect perfect i uh, hope that whew, i was hovering over hoping not to push it early <laughs> i was just like oh god don't mess up don't push the wrong squirrel face icon on the soundboard don't do it it's right next to george michael i could make a mistake so when you um when you brought this up i think that was this was uh your idea and uh you brought up like doing our favorite uh james bond from from every era and um instantly for the connery era i thought of goldfinger in my mind in my memory this was my favorite of the conneries and Growing up, like Connery was my the the bond that sort of introduced me to the franchise because my dad used to watch the movies and he, and he liked Connery like every seemingly everyone's dad did. Um, but that's how I sort of got into it. I don't remember which one I saw first, but um, I remember thinking Goldfinger was really good. Do you remember when you saw it the first time? Yeah, I was way after. Uh, my bond has always been Roger Moore. That's kind of one that I remember growing up and watching. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I saw Goldfinger. I think it was during like a marathon of Bonds, or at the time of Bonds, and um, I enjoyed it. But the Connery ones don't. 
I don't know. They don't hit home to me as as like Roger Moore ones, even though the camp level and the camp level in this was quite high, actually. But the camp level in Roger Moore ones just gets, you know, zany. I mean, Moonraker, for heaven's sakes. But, <laughs> but Moonraker is so fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun watch. And that's what, you know, whenever I think about wanting like an action movie, you know, where it's just kind of fun spectacle going on, I always think of a Bond film. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Goldfinger is, as far as the Connery Bonds were concerned, I also agree is kind of the, um, I don't want to say Holy Grail, but it's like probably my favorite one out of the bunch. I wasn't a fan of Dr. No uh, from Russia with Love. Has a great poster, but, I mean, man, I can't, it puts me to sleep. Like, literally, Dr. No yeah. from Russia with Love. So I was like, good, Goldfinger. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I can watch that one. And Thunderball is weird because it doesn't, like... I remember being a kid, and, like, when I would see a title for a Bond movie, I would just sort of try, try to intuit, like, the cool conceit it would have, right? Goldfinger, mm. he paints a single person all the way gold to kill them. I guess this is the, that's the only time he really does a sort of campy villain calling card. But I remember Thunderball, I was like, what is this even about? Is, does, the, does the villain have a giant ball? Is, is James Bond being paced, chased by a Thunderball? <laughs> what is, Whatever that is, I'm for it. I'm right. <laughs> But, um, you know, and I liked, uh, in Dr. No, I liked the setting, and I liked Dr. No's, all his, like, undersea stuff, and then all the various undersea things that happen in that movie. Um, but when I think about this era, the one that always jumps to the forefront of my mind is, uh, is Goldfinger. And um, it seems that the critics would agree with that sentiment, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, the, the weird criteria that I based it on was, you know, there's a lot of other podcasts that talk about James Bond in glorious, precise details. And we're not a James Bond cast, even though if the soda one picks up, maybe we will move her. Dip our toes into the Bond. I'm kidding. I'm not doing that. Uh, but <laughs> I wanted to talk about Bond in the sense that, you know, everything that we talk about typically has its place in, you know, pop culture. And, you know, there's no denying Bond doesn't. So I just based it off of, well, let's look for our favorites and see what the uh, rankings are on certain critic websites that shall be named. Um, you'll figure it out. Uh, a spoiled fruit of, of some sort. <laughs> so anyway, rotten fruit, they agree with us. So I think that will probably be the criteria that we use for the other bonds, with the exception of Lazenby, since there was only one of his films. So we'll just talk about it at some point. Yeah, exactly. And I think that sometimes our favorites will line up with that, and sometimes they won't. And we'll definitely let you know what our favorites are uh, if they are different than um, Rotten Tomatoes. But, you know, to be honest, I am having a hard time calling this my 
favorite because uh it's i i have to be totally honest with you i it's been a really long time since i've seen these older james bond movies and i you you know that the way they depict women and the sort of toxic uh masculinity that is that is sort of the trademark of bond you know already just because of public discourse and and what people are talking about you know that's a problem but um i was not prepared so i was prepared to see some of that and be made uncomfortable by it and just sort of um you know put it in its place in history in its unfortunate place um when judging this movie but the the way it's depicted in this film is so uncomfortable it's i mean not uncomfortable it's just so gross that i i I honestly don't know if i will be coming back to this film in the future (laughs) yeah i get you i I get you uh a hundred percent um on this yes it's it's weird to you know that's i think that's part of the problem with you know being a fan of pop culture just just in general is typically you focus on certain parts or moments of time as kind of like this you know oh this is oh everything is viewed through rose-colored glasses and everything is nice and now you know as you're older and things have uh, thankfully been progressing in the right direction kind of visiting some of these older films you run into a lot more things that when you're a kid you had no idea was problematic or that was just the way it was or whatever you i wouldn't have batted an eye at it but now you go oh oh shit like you know i i, I now when i take notes about the film i wait to see how far i write the word canceled and like this one it happens really quickly um you know, <laughs> yep. like, just like this would be it and you know it's it's really hard it was really hard for me to balance between yeah let's you know it is i don't want to say it is what it is it's just a product of its time but like it's really hard to look at it with a different mindset now you know like, yeah I don't, I don't think people you know i don't think like kids now would appreciate this film in any sort of way that we did when we were kids yeah not even just how campy it was just like it's overall you know it's the overall themes of james bond yeah i think what you see done with the the daniel craig bonds how they have changed how he engages seduces and uh how the how the franchise generally treats women has gotten i guess you know from a cisgendered male's perspective uh it seems to me like it has improved and i think nothing exemplifies that more than going back to this movie which like when it's when he has his very first encounter with a uh one of his um sexual partners it's at the like the very start when he's somewhere in latin america we don't know i mean i don't know exactly where it was or i just don't remember um 
But that first encounter isn't too bad. They seem like they have a prior relationship. Um, they know each other. There is seemingly previous pre-existing content, uh, consent there, or at least, um, you know, that's her intention because it, it, it ends up being a trap. But like when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, maybe this isn't as bad as I remember, but boy, howdy, does it go downhill from there? Yeah, I think that's probably the best part of it. You know, like yeah. as it just happens, and then you kind of go, oh, 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 come on, Bond. Oh, don't do this to me, Bond. <laughs> it just then you get to real um, funky territory with them. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I don't want to get. I mean, I think this stuff deserves to be talked about just because it's important to talk about. Um, and I don't want to be too much of a. I don't know. Why am I apologizing for this? But like, there is like really, there's like legitimate like sexual assault in the movie at towards the end, um, to a degree that I like. The previous encounters were like, oh god, this is like really, this is someone using their body and their presence to invade somebody else's personal space and sort of. Uh, become like a dominant presence over them to sort of get what they want. Um, but it evolves into something that is just literally, it's just the textbook definition. Of, so I don't know. I'm laughing because I'm nervous. This is not a funny topic, but uh, it is. Uh, it when I saw it, I was like, oh no, oh my god, no! What the fuck is happening in this movie? I do not remember this part and uh i feel like i should have i don't know no i mean i'm I'm not going to disagree with you i do i i agree with you on on those principles for sure so it is it's it's weird and you you know normally we would just be talking up the camp factor and the yuck yucks but there's some of it where it's just like you know it's always been unexcusable, but now looking at it with, you know, like older eyes, because to your point, I haven't watched this movie in easily 20 some odd years, I think. It's been the last time I watched it. Um, so I did. I, I remembered the Fort Knox. I remember the, you know, as a, the character's name. Uh, Jill Masterson painted gold, and of course, odd job. Those are the things I remember. It's like, oh, odd job, because he was both terrifying, like it just as an opposing type of figure, you know, getting chopped and stuff. But at the same time, I couldn't stand him from you know the N sixty four golden. He was know, hard to hit. Golden His hitbox was so small. He was the smallest cheating character. I mean, so much to the point where we would like ban you from playing Odd Job. You could not play Odd Job. Play Grace Jones all you wanted, but you play Odd Job. We're pulling your. We're pulling your controller. Also, Odd Job is not small. No. No, this guy is not. <laughs> no, they they found a wall of a man, gave him a, a bowler hat, and you know, like this 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 is a big big dude. I don't understand why 
he is so small in the GoldenEye game, but he is. But those are the things I remember this movie. Watching it um, uh, recently for this made me go, oh, Jesus, man. And it's so weird to, like, I don't want to say it's so weird. It's just different trying to disassociate yourself with all the wrongness that you're seeing in, 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 uh, and look for entertainment, right? Like I'm trying to travel down this thing, but you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to do the best we can with this one. Not all of them will be this way, hopefully. And, um, you know, I think, you know, that's what it is, but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll hit these points. Yeah, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get there. And also, like, just as the last sort of thing that you have to mention about this movie, is it not is only unfair and disrespectful towards its portrayals of women who are, for the most part, and quite literally, in regards to the intro, used as props um and sort of given one dimensional personalities um the movie's treatment of uh people of color is also terrible <laughs> so um the way it sort of uh treats asian people um is uh is pretty embarrassing in in you know just looking back at it through the lens of today's um, you know, how today's, uh, culture, I think looking back at these portrayals, uh, it's just like, I don't even want to say it's unfortunate because it just, it happened and it would have been, would have been great if people sort of had thought outside of themselves when they were making something like this, but they didn't, and they didn't a lot. Um, and they still don't, um, but uh yeah you just that's just i just wanted to bring that up bring that up too because it's that's also a very uncomfortable and um unfortunate part of this movie yeah but um yeah there's some fun stuff too <laughs> yeah hopefully we'll make with the yucks at this point i don't know <laughs> Yeah, this will be you. Uh, this this will be fun to cut. I think uh, uh, cut around. No, it won't. This is going to be extremely difficult to cut around. But I'll <laughs> yeah. do my best. Yeah, I was being sarcastic, yeah. but um, so I think that is all in service of saying that this is the uh, what we remembered it as our favorites, and certainly the the critical darling. But if you haven't for some reason seen it. Uh, please understand those caveats before you get in there. And, um, you know, that's something that we here at Pop Saga just cannot, uh, condone or celebrate. So we're going to call it out. I'm sorry if that, um, you know, uh, makes your enjoyment of the podcast less, but you know, this is something that, um, we feel very strongly about. Um, but I will say that one thing that I really did like at the start of this movie was the cold open. Uh, the seagull on his head? Yes, I love the seagull head prop. And... Uh, hook rope I, 
Yeah, yeah. Like he uses a, a ton of gadgets in the opening, uh, the cold open, and then the fact that he has his tuxedo on under the dive suit, and he takes the dive suit off, and he's like got that perfectly pressed, beautiful white tuxedo. All his outfits in this movie, by the way, are a high point. Um, even the the terry cloth jumper he has on in Miami is uh just incredible yeah i mean what can you say young sean connery could wear a robe yep. and, and <laughs> a suit and hostage luggage i guess <laughs> yeah he, he he like i said by all accounts he definitely looks like james bond i don't know if he's my bond like as if i had to pick my favorite favorite Mm -hmm. favorite as far as just visual standpoint alone but uh, connery is a real tough uh, in that regards i think it's really tough to beat. Uh, do you have a favorite bond like off the top of your head yeah i do um you know i don't think all the movies are the strongest I think uh, Daniel Craig is probably my favorite Bond. Me too! I know. (laughs) I'm the kind of person I think I've developed a reputation on this podcast by being someone that I think you could probably convincingly accuse of having some sort of recency bias. I don't think I do, but I think I like a lot of things that are recent, and so I think that you would probably have a, a bit of a case against me there. Um, but, uh, I really love Daniel Craig's, uh, James Bond. I like that he is sort of a weird looking dude. And, um, I agree. A lot of the movies aren't perfect, but he is just a great James Bond. Uh, and I'm sad this, this, uh, this movie that will eventually come out, uh, no time to die. Is yep. that the... No time. No time to die, Mr. Yeah. Bond. <laughs> but it'll be his last. And uh, that's too bad. But um... I, Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's hard to say just because... to, I guess if I had to take Bond out of, like, the super spy fantasticalness of kind of his previous Bond... The previous Bonds and just try to ground him in someone that would be more believable as a Bond... He strikes me as the most Bond-esque, like what you would do. Grab some dude from like the special air service, you know, someone who could fight, shoot, do all that stuff, bring him over and then, you know, teach him shit that he didn't even learn in the special forces. That's why I really enjoyed Daniel Craig in that. He's got like a brutal streak about him, Um, you know, ruthless, which I would imagine a real Bond would be. Um... And I love Casino Royale. I think it's great. And, you know, it yeah. has, like, we won't, at some point, we'll probably officially talk about all the Bond songs, but, because that I think would be fun. But, um, you know, uh, he, uh, the, what is it? Uh, is it Quantum of Solace? Mm-hmm. Which one, which, which one has the uh, Adele song? Why am I blanking on it? Oh, that's Skyfall. Skyfall. Yeah. Yeah. That's Skyfall. Speaking of that. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say it's probably one of the best Bond themes out there. And that's not recency biased. 
I listen. I had to listen to Goldfinger. Right. Goldfinger. <laughs> He's the man, the man with the Midas touch. And you know, then you listen to Skyfall, and it has lots of those same notes and shit like that. So I mean, it's no Thunderball, but it's up there. Anyway. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah, Skyfall is a great song. Love, uh, love Skyfall. I really love what Billie Eilish did with the yeah, yeah. the most recent one, No Time to Die. That that is great. I actually I like a lot of the Bond songs. The only one I can remember that I really hated was the Die Another Day Madonna song. Yeah. Had like sort of like a techno thing breakdown in there. Die another day. Yeah, but also it's just, you know, it's funny. Like, I I always take a look at the film and associate it with the song. And then if I don't care for the film, then I don't care for the song as much. That one, you know, had dude with diamonds in his face or some shit, I think. Yeah, but I'll tell you, that's usually true for me too. But. I actually like the Sheryl Crow "Tomorrow Never Dies" oh, Jesus song. Christ. All right, goodbye, and, everybody. <laughs> but I do not like. I mean, of course, I don't like the "Tomorrow Never Dies" movie. I like Michelle Yeoh in it. I like the BMW motorcycle that uh, Bond drives in it. But uh, it's just it's it's impossible to watch nowadays because like. The guy who is the villain is like a super powerful <laughs> newspaper owner, uh, and that's just—I uh, mean, that's it's not just, realistic. Just, it's instantly dated, unfortunately, for them. Oh no, it's not real. You know, super rich people owning news organizations controlling. Oh, I mean, that everything. part is real, but it is funny to have like a Hearst-like person who just owns print or like he just <laughs> it just is like the the guy who whoever owns the the new york times uh like using his newspaper to to fool people of course now any jabroni can do that with access to a uh internet connection and a couple of bucks to, to rub together but elliot carver um here's a fun fact about me i up until recently was able to do a very convincing jonathan price but um what happened my wife hates it <laughs> like the not only my impression of jonathan price but just the way that jonathan price talks like really grates on her so um aside from the start when i found that out and i used to do it all the time just because i do it annoyed her, i just haven't uh i haven't practiced you you know you're gonna need to try it I oh mean, it's boy for the pot you gotta do it i feel like i needed some okay you set see. yourself up for it you didn't even have to mention that one and you would have <laughs> never known but we were talking you, about Elliot Carver. It counts. No, you could have cut out. You could have never mentioned Tomorrow Never Dies, and we would have never known. So this is you. So come on. Come on. Uh, let's see. Um, <clears throat> so he's very breathy. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
You have to jut your bottom jaw out. Let's see. Okay. 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 Um, uh, <laughs> Mr. Uh, no, I can't do it. I, can't do it. I need. I'm sorry. Boo! Boo! This wow, that man. is a lot. That is a lot of booing. Um, wow, it's yeah. worthwhile. You set everybody up. Now they're never going to hear your Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. Okay, that's there. You go. There's my wait. Jonathan Price. He has that very breathy way. He sort of falls off of a of a cliff when he says something. Uh, hello. No. Nope. I lost it. I had it for a second. I lost it. I did it. You know what? F you guys. F you stupid crowd. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> no, I'm an ex-millennial. <laughs> but let's stop talking about talking yep. uh, about our mm-hmm. my uh Lack Jonathan, Jonathan Price. My Jonathan Price. You enjoy Cheryl Crow's Bond song. You don't like just Tomorrow talk- Never Dies? It's okay. It's not it's Tomorrow not Never Dies Surrender Tomorrow no, Will Arrive On Time Nope. 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 No? Nope. You tease nope. and tantalize nope. Nope. With every lie Till you are mine Nope. I I thought for sure my terrible uh, rendition would uh, would really sway you, uh, but uh, much like my terrible Jonathan Price <laughs> impression, I, mean, I am winning. No fans. You heard it. I did it. No, that just you. You just sounded no. That wasn't him. Well, see, was, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. Existent. It's not existent. All right, it's let's fine. hear yours. I don't have one. I don't have. No, no, no. Give it a try. Okay, hold on. So I remember him mostly from the movie Ronin. Oh, yeah, good one. You bollocked it up. You bollocked it up. There you go. That's mine. Terrific! Hurrah! That's right. Why am I waving in my office when no one's in here? <laughs> Jonathan Bryce. Jonathan uh, Price. Yes, you have to fall off a cliff at the end cliff. of I, what you say. I am... Cersei. Sir, Join the I, septum. I am Jonathan Price. And this, this is Brazil. Is I've got to get minutes. out of Brazil. I am Jonathan Price. <laughs> and... I can get you more money off of your car insurance. (laughs) Jonathan Price. (laughs) See? see, That's pretty good. Jonathan Um, Price. But yeah, to to my wife's ears, when the man speaks, it sounds like every other word he is uh, finishing, let's just say. (laughs) Oh, like, uh, okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Say no more. 
That's our Jonathan Bryce talk. <laughs> Bryce cast. The Bryce Bryce. Um, so, so John, why don't you tell me, uh, we've already talked about all the horrible sort of um, uh, artifacts of its time about this movie. But tell me about a couple of the your favorite parts. Um, so there are definitely some in this movie. You know, you gotta you gotta make when you have lemons, you make lemonade. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the chicken gotta make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, something. Um, so I there there's a couple of lines that I thought were pretty memorable uh, when he is with uh, Jill Mas- Masterson. And he's very concerned about the champagne. Oh, yes. Chill. Oh, why, you? Oh, there's another in the fridge. Who needs it? My dear girl, there are some things that just aren't done. Such as drinking Dom Perignon 53 above a temperature of 38 degrees Fahrenheit. That's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Ah, yes. <laughs> I wrote that line down. Yeah. Because I was like, is this like... <laughs> I don't <laughs> is know. Is this movie I'm... making fun of the Beatles? I don't know. I knew you were going to ask that. Just like I knew you were going to talk about, uh, you know, Carrot Top's Carrot Top. <laughs> I knew... Wait, the first time? And the second time. Oh, okay. But I, I wrote this... I, I enough. Fair enough. I'm Jonathan Price talking about Caretop's dick root. <laughs> and finish root. Every word. Every I word. loved <laughs> We're going to turn <laughs> this shit off. I can't, I, I can't wait to Google. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Well, let's. I wrote it because I did not know. I did not know if this was saying because they played loud music and, you know, you want to protect your ears, or if this was, fuck the Beatles, they sound like garbage, and this was, like, a jab at them. I oh, do not know. I mean, I, I definitely feel it's think the it's the latter. It's definitely but, the latter. But, you know, it. I, I kind of like the fact that there's a few times where Bond kind of shows off his, his boozing nature. You know, like when he's having brandy with his boss. And he's able to tell exactly how it was distilled and shit. Where does it seem like M knows nothing? <laughs> yeah, he really... Him and M have a very adversarial relationship. And for good reason. Because James Bond in this movie is not very good at his job. I don't know. I, I could argue that. He's just... He's just emotional. Just he certainly has um he has something to prove it seems <laughs> because he for sure gets Jill Masterson killed purely because he just wants to to uh fuck with Goldfinger a little bit and make him lose some money. Yeah, he's he's pretty cocky. Like I mean that has always been like a bond trait, you know, very uh, impulsive almost, but yeah, this one was just like, damn, you got this girl killed, and then like, 
the next fucking scene, you're making jokes about gold with money, Penny. And you just like, <laughs> yep. like you're sort of upset, but I think you're upset for a different reason why you should be upset. Yeah. You know, um, the, 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 uh, obviously Q branch is always one of my favorite scenes in any bond to see what oh gadgets God, yeah. we're going to see. And, you know, this was, you know, I mean, honestly, this was like, you get the Aston Martin. This is the first appearance of it you know, with the DB8. You get, you know, it has the flippable license plates, machine guns, ejector seat for the passenger, you know, like a bullet screen on top of bulletproof glass, which I found weird, but whatever. Smoke screen that looks like somebody just set off some fireworks in the back end of this thing. You know, like... Uh, the the fucking GPS tracker, all this cool gadgets, and also this is kind of like the building of Bond and Q's relationship, because the first time Q is very like super dry, like the 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 driest of dry wines you could imagine, but this one was mm-hmm. like dry with humor, and this this is the film that kind of launched that. So I enjoyed that. I loved when he fucked with Goldfinger on the golf course. I, yeah. <laughs> I wrote down in my notes I was always like uh, Bond gets revenge with obscure golf technicalities <laughs> yeah he just pulls he pulls some shady shit you know uh, it's like I won, I won because I switched his balls because our job switched his balls as well and then I found it really funny, you know, because he's trying to tempt Goldfinger. For those who don't know, Goldfinger is a gold smuggler. That's he 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 smuggles gold. He loves gold, and you know, he only paints person gold once, which you think he'd do more often than not. But one but time wasn't the amount of times it is referenced in other media. You think that's all he did through the movie? Yeah, but it just shit. happens once. Yeah, that's a shtick. And it happens very early. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> but what I found really funny, which I didn't think about until I was reading up on the actor, was when uh, Bond was going to tempt Goldfinger with a bar of Nazi gold. And then the fact that the actor who played Goldfinger was in the Nazi party. And so he was like, oh, oh, that one. I mean, was his these? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, whoa. I was like, was this the fucking um, director having a jab at this guy or something? Like, I we mean, no. That's when he dropped it on the fairway when James Bond just drops <laughs> a bar of <laughs> gold out of the leg of his pants like an errant turd. He's like, oh, um, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, that's the that's uh, the director. That's Guy Hamilton saying uh, to to Gert Frobe. Gert Frobe, or Frobe, or Froby. Um, um, has Untlots over it. I don't know. Yeah, that that's him saying we know. But uh, to be fair to the, I guess to the you know actor, he he rescued people during that time, so. Uh, I'm going to just leave that alone. I just thought that was... Take from that what you will. Yeah, you take with it what you will. It it wasn't... Yeah, you there you go. But it was weird. But I, I liked the uh, scene when he was messing with them there. And then 
uh, when they're driving the Aston Martin around. That was silly as shit when it was shooting machine guns and he's driving through the Auric, um, I guess, Enterprises. And it has that old woman with the machine gun. Oh, and right. That was, my, that was one of my favorite parts of the whole goddamn movie. I wrote down that, man, they took a long walk for that joke because they they set it up by showing, like, she's the gate guard to uh, Auric Enterprises. And um, after Bond is captured um, in the woods, he's brought back to these buildings and they go by this this gatehouse and an old lady comes out like she's making something on a stove but then like comes out and like raises the gate for them and then sort of like bows very sweetly and they yeah they do a a really long way to sort of set her up as a a kindly old lady so it is pretty funny when she then whips out um you know a submachine gun it just goes nuts on the aston martin um but it like (laughs) but it still doesn't like when you think about it, you're like, why is she there? Does she live there? Is that her house house and also the gatehouse? Well, you remember the part where we were talking about how problematic, how it portrayed, you know, Asian mm-hmm. people. And, um, yep. yeah, see, so I think that was cover for that. Oh, okay. That, that portion. Okay, That's right. why, you know, it wasn't like, I don't know, a regular guard it was like, oh, it's your sweet grandmother. Oh, shit, she's packing a, you know, MP40 or... Actually, I, I didn't look up a grease gun or something. I honestly didn't look at that yep. one, but she couldn't <laughs> hit shit with it. That's all I know. Nope. <laughs> but it was, it was so silly. <laughs> I was like, I'll take it. Or like, <laughs> fucking Bond driving into a wall. Yeah, a I had that written down too. Wall. I was, like, defeated by the concept of reflections. <laughs> oh, no. It's coming right for me. I don't... <laughs> I can't get... Every movie's matching me. I don't get it. Let's see. Let, let, instead of me stopping and going <laughs> aw and just driving in reverse... <laughs> just throwing I, it in reverse. I'm going to drive headfirst into a wall. That'll show them. That'll show he played them chicken with his own reflection. And it's not even like it was a clever plot from the villains to make him do this. This was literally one of those mirrors that you use for tight corners to make sure people don't run into each other. Yeah, it, it's it it's it's because doesn't when Ajab finds him uh, passed out in the driver's seat, doesn't he look sort of like from him to the mirror and smile like? What, a, what an idiot. Yeah, our job always has that very, I'm very happy with myself smile. Like I'm, yeah. I'm really pleased, you know. I'm as pleased as punch or whatever the saying is. Yeah. I enjoy our job. He's very, uh, you know, he can throw a hat with the best of them. He could, He's one of the more iconic henchmen. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't... Now, is his is just just the movie sort of reducing any person that is not white to sort of just a Run. a prop or yeah does he is he mute or does He's, he just grunt because they didn't want to give him any any lines no no in the book he was also uh he couldn't talk because he had a cleft plate 
so you don't okay know. yeah okay well all right well they they don't really go into that in the movie they just a lot of goldfinger talking about how he's training odd job to do various things yeah like the be my caddy and yeah. just like uh, you're just like oh come on man like just like if if you want to be faithful to the book just don't have him say anything don't have him make any of those sounds just have him point if you're if you're going to go that far if not you know or or talk about it or mention it you know, I, I thought it because I looked it up because much like when you're watching it, when I heard him do that the first time, I was like, what the fuck, man? OK, hold on. What was he like in the book? And I was like, oh, OK. All right. So they're being a little bit faithful to the book. That makes sense. Yeah. In certain um, regards, remember, the book was written in, you know, 59. This movie came out in 64. And it's funny because it's, you know, this is one of the first movies, but it's done in all the movies that come afterwards are kind of done out of order, you know, from Russia right. Love and all that stuff are earlier, but yeah, they're kind of faithful to the book in some instances and then other instances they're not, which, uh, when I tell you one is probably going to make, well, it, it makes me feel even worse. <laughs> the <laughs> oh. stuff we were talking about earlier. Oh boy. Um, so you let me know when you want that bomb to drop. <laughs> well, you might as well just do it now. So, um, the, you know, every Bond movie has the, you know, the Bond girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, the, the names, you know, range from, you know, what, uh, Chris, Christmas, what's your, what's your favorite one? With Tomorrow Never Dies, Christmas Jones or something like that? No, that's, um... That is the world is not enough. The world is not enough. That's right. World that's enough. with uh, with that's with Christmas Doctor Nuclear Physicist do, uh, Doctor Christmas Jones. Right. So you know that that's kind of ha ha ha, or you know like was it uh, on a top? You know. Yep. Like, yeah. Uh, Femke Jensen plays uh, on a top. The uh, the killer. Um, Russian um, Bond uh, villain, actually. Yeah, and you know, but you know, Goldfinger is the like really. I'd say this is probably the most iconic Bond, like you know, woman name is Pushy Galore, and that's the only way I'll say it. I won't say it <laughs> the other way because it's gross. Anyway, I mean, it's it's just. I mean, it's really bad, but. Uh, in the book, she was a lesbian. And did Bond turn her? In... I think so. I oh, stopped boy. after that part because I, I didn't. Certainly, yeah. his his uh, the writers have have written him with a magical penis um, that uh, that that certainly when when it is introduced to. Uh, the aforementioned Pushy Galore. <laughs> that made it worse. Um, yeah, see, see, you don't. Um, you don't. Uh, she completely. Just yeah, she completely uh, loses her agency. Loses completely changes her mind. Her character does the right thing. Um. Uh, after after a, a literal roll in the hay with old Jimmy B. 
Yeah. It's it's weird because she's a very, you know, she's tough. She can go toe to toe with Bond. You know, they're doing judo flips left and right. You know, she she has her all uh, female flight team that's going to the use the flying circus. Yeah, but you know they're going to use this nerf gas. <laughs> Well, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, about that. I thought it was knockout juice. <laughs> well, that's what that's what it's sold to all those gangsters. Uh, but speaking of things we love, I love uh Goldfinger's uh that room where he presents his, his plan to the those assembled mobsters. Um Oh, you you mean like, the room that probably costs as much money as what he owed all of them? Yeah. That thing was so insane. Um, and all the different, like, the, the pool table that turns into a controls, and then the giant uh, the giant map that comes out of the floor. Everything bespoke for this one moment where he presents his plan to all these people just for so Bond, who is spying, can hear it, and then kills all the people. So it's like he spent so much money on this one moment, which would benefit literally nobody because they all died but i do love all the adr in that scene with all the mobsters like when like the floor slides out of the way what are you doing yeah (laughs) what's this is this a merry-go-round i think somebody says at some point hey why open the blinds (laughs) yep there's just so much like dorky adr yeah yeah it's at the auric stud ranch that's that's where all this took place. Yeah. Um, also, did you notice that all the gangsters had these ridiculous names? Like what? What did what did Ian Fleming think American gangsters were named? Because they were just like Midnight Solo. <laughs> like, what are I all mean, these look, fucking names? Al Capone. You know. Yeah, that's just a regular name. Does it though? Yeah. Like, these are all Dick Tracy names. Yeah, but is it... Ratface. Yeah. Squarehead. Uh, (laughs) What are some Dick Tracy names? Help me out here. uh, Well, you got Prune Face. Mm -hmm. uh, Flat Top. Yeah, we Uh, can talk about Flat Top's Flat Top. Uh, (laughs) All day long. Can we just talk about that? (laughs) Yo, Mumbles. Uh, See, this is like... I feel like this is the the way that they named these mobsters. Uh, Uh... because I looked at the credits and there was just single names. Like Midnight's name is just Midnight. Yeah, Same yeah. thing with Solo. Yeah, well, isn't that cool though? You yeah, had a kid, wouldn't you be like, pretty cool? I'm gonna call him Solo. Let's go. Just yeah. off my favorite Star Wars movie, Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> Can't even say that jokingly. Right, um, good night, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's. It is, uh, you know, uh, I think one of the criterias was us to talk about the plan. Should we talk about his um, his plan? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's definitely talk about that real quick before we do. I wanted to mention one thing. Um, there is a, a moment of honesty of sort of, I guess, maybe the writers talking to the audience or or maybe even Connery himself talking to the audience when in the very f- start when um, he's making out with that, that woman he, he meets at the bar after he uh, blows up that drug lab in uh, somewhere in Latin America. 
Um, filled bananas. Yeah. Yeah. He meets that woman in his in his room or her room, somebody's room. And I'm take it hers. Yeah, because I guess he has the key from her. And um they're making out and she feels his gun and she's like, Why do you have this on you all the time? And he's like, uh, slight inferiority complex. And I'm like, okay. At least he's honest with himself. I mean, if you're not honest with yourself, who who, who can, can you, you be, be honest, honest with? with? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so let's talk a little bit about uh Alric Alric? Ulrich Goldfinger's plan. Because initially, James is sent to investigate him merely because he is smuggling a ton of gold somehow. And that's what hit M and this other rich guy, who I don't remember who that actually is, but uh, some other rich white guy wants him to find um uh how he's smuggling all this gold but it turns out that that's not really his plan is it no like the gold the the gold is an afterthought we learn that goldfinger like i said loves gold fell in love with the color of gold and all this stuff but his his plan's way more nefarious and w- way more intricate than it would ever need to be. Like this, this plan feels like well, it was fourteen years in the making, according to the movie. Where uh, effectively, he, he wants to under the guise he wants to rob Fort Knox, but he's not. That's re- what he tells all the mobsters. Yeah, that's what they all believe. That they went and all the different mobsters kind of brought him different components. They were smugglers in their own right. What he wants, what he was planning on doing was breaking into Fort Knox by, you know, heavily guarded by military, you know, all this stuff by using this nerve gas, which is invisible versus the visible shit that you can see all the time. Like, oh, nerve gas cloud across the street. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. So he, he's going to knock out all these guards and we find out the nerve gas kills them. He's then going to go into the vault to set up a bomb, an atomic bomb, blow it up in Fort Knox to irradiate all the gold and probably destroy a fair amount of it. So that way it sets the West uh, economy in turmoil. And then all the gold that he has been amassing over the years, value will skyrocket. Exactly, and he is provided this dirty bomb, which I didn't realize they called it a dirty bomb this far back, but it's like a small, like a suitcase nuke almost, even though it's much bigger than that, and it's provided by, uh, in this movie, it is provided by a foreign government, very kind of openly. They have a representative that just works with the guy. Yeah, I mean they're they're working, you know, soup to nuts with it. <laughs> they 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 are in deep. They are in deep, and uh, yeah, it's like a I don't know, like a refrigerator sized box nuke. But this plan is super convoluted. But you have to admit he's very determined. 
14 years in the making. He worked and put all the pieces together just for this moment to uh, erase. It almost gold. doesn't make sense. Do you think that the government of the fictional China that it is in this movie came to him 14 years ago with this idea? Like, or does he come to them and say, hey, I've got this plan. All I need is a dirty bomb. Can you guys hook me up? Also, can you guys hook me up with a veritable army of, uh, like, expendable um, labor? I think he goes to them. He must, right? Yeah, he, he, I mean, look, you don't build a plan room like he built without, like, drawing this shit on napkins way back in the day. Be like, oh, man, I can't wait to break into this Fort Knox. Okay, let me show you the plan. First, I get a foreign government to give me a dirty bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to employ all the mobsters of different groups and different parts of the United States to bring me all this stuff. Okay, so that'll take six years of building up trust there. Then, you know what I mean, like... It's, I mean, obviously, there's hardly any James Bond villain plots that make that much sense, and they're always usually world-shaking for a reason. This one's probably one of the kookiest ones, but, you know, it it led to a very interesting just assault, but it, it would require such clockwork precision to make it work that... Your your plan was going to get out there one way or the other, like there's there's no way someone isn't going to say, hey man, this dude's planning on like you know what he's got over, you know like a few miles away from Fort Knox, he's got his own farm, he's got these airplanes that keep flying overhead, which I would yeah, find very low. Very low, but yeah, they're fine. You know, that's just the circus in town again, I guess, or the aerial circus. It's it's a convoluted plan. Pussy galas flying circus. Um, Monty Python had to be out of this time, right? When did Monty Python premiere not, in the seventies? Yeah, not sixty four. Okay, right, right, right. Do you think they got the, their name from this? I'm going to say pretty emphatically, no. But if it helps you sleep at night, sure. It won't. Um, Okay. So (laughs) I agree with you. This, the plan is, is crazy uh, convoluted, but I do like how they unveil it because when he is telling the mobsters about it, you're kind of like, Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess he wants to steal a lot of gold. That'll be heavy. Um, and then of course Bond breaks down, he, he gives it, he does a little algebra problem later and breaks down why that would be, uh, impossible. Yeah. He's just like, it's too many days. And then, you know, like any good villain in a movie, he's like, come on, come on, you can figure it out. I've already won. Come on, you can figure it out. And then (laughs) Bond figures it out and you know, and this is a weird, this is kind of a weird movie because fucking Bond is in, like, incarcerated for a good chunk of it. It's a like, long time. And he breaks out and then he's put back into a cell. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird. 
It's like he breaks out by tricking this guard into thinking that he left the cell by walking back and forth. And somehow he climbs up over the doorway without this dude seeing him. Completely silently. He does a weird thing where I couldn't tell if he was flirting with the guard or what. But he's like giving him the eyebrows and and he like gives him a little wink. And then he just like he slowly lowers his head beyond the little the little window in his cell. And uh, that's what finally summons the guard over there. And uh, jokes on him. It's time for the slowest old guy fight you've ever seen. Yeah, it was just it's just weird. It is just it's like almost like the it was filmed at like seventy five percent normal speed or something. He doesn't kill the guard. He just leaves him in there, puts the keys underneath like a pillow outside. <laughs> he does a very weak kick to his face, and the uh, stuntman who is is white, which is yeah, uh, and and the guy was the guy who the actor who plays the guard is is Asian. And then the stuntman is very obviously white, which was <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he gives he delivers a very weak little kick to the chin, and the guy's like, oh, I'm dead, uh, or I'm at least knocked out. Yeah, and then, you know, Bond just listens to this plan. And you're like, okay, take the fuck off. And then they do this whole feint where, like, he gets captured again, and one of the monsters was like, no... The the whole thing with the mobster thing we forgot just to call out was the fact that uh, Goldfinger was offering them more money if they were into the plan, or they could take their money now, right? Which was a million dollars. Which so. is his even that plan is ridiculous because he kills everyone who stays and wants more money. Yeah, but he also kills the guy who leaves. So it's like. He had to have these two concurrent murder plans going. And it's like, yeah. okay, every everyone who leaves has to pile in the same car because Oddjob needs to, to take them to the quote-unquote airport. But really, I'm going to take him out into a field, shoot him, and then have that car compressed and then bring it back to the scene of the crime or back so to you, the person and so he could get the gold back. Right. Just should have gassed everyone in that room and not given them a choice, but like, okay, everybody, I need to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. You know, really think about my offer. If you want to leave, that's fine. We're cool. Anyway, don't, if you hear hissing, don't worry about it. I have a pet snake. She's hungry. Bye. <laughs> I mean, shit might as well. Why even let the... Why? I mean, look, I know it's to give everyone false hope into thinking that, you know, Felix, um, Lighter, and them are going to rescue Bond by having this whole convoluted thing of them tracking the tracker because the tracker also has a note that Bond wrote around it and slipped into this gangster's pocket. So that way they could find it and understand the plan. Which is a bad plan. Like, oftentimes in this movie, Bond gets himself into a situation purely by happenstance. Like, he happens to be in the right place. And, like, even when in that famous scene where there's a laser that's gonna burn his his uh, carrot top off, um, it... His, the, his sort of like 
verbal judo to to get Goldfinger to to release him isn't that good. <laughs> He's like uh, uh Project Grand, Sl- Grand Slam and and eh? Goldfinger rightly calls him out says like something you overheard that you have no idea about. And then his thing is just like, yeah, but can you take that chance? <laughs> and it works. Not only does it work, but they treat him really fucking well. Yeah, aside from the cell, he gets a mint julep. He gets two suits. He's two... allowed to change clothes. <laughs> yeah. In the Goldfinger's... They brought his luggage. They brought his luggage. Right. And he's like, and my attache case... He doesn't. He doesn't pronounce it attaché case. He pronounces it attaché. And uh, Sean Connery, yeah. attaché. <laughs> so, yeah, he. Uh, they didn't bring that part, drat. But no, they uh, they let him have all his suitcase and and because he tur- he he uh, changes into that very smart gray suit, which is just brilliantly Excellent. tailored. Yes, looks perfect. beautiful. And then he also is. They also allow him to change into a tuxedo for the the finale. Yep. So cool, I guess. But you're right. Yeah. Not only does it work, it works so well that he is not only taken, uh, you know, uh, to the taken all to all the places, sh- a front row seat for everything. Um. And, uh, yeah, it just doesn't, it's not like the clever spy crafty Bond. This is like a desperate Bond who happens to get lucky. Yeah, the, the level of, again, the, the level of luck that Bond has in this film is insane. It needs to become like a game mechanic somewhere. Because yeah. it's it's not due to core competencies here. Obviously, he can do algebra and shit like that, <laughs> and can fight. But like, you you are you are correct. This movie should have ended when he got cut in half by that laser because Goldfinger wasn't having any of it. He, he didn't even do the monologue. It all, almost felt like the evil monologue was, you know, he's like, uh uh uh, no monologue for you. I'm just going to kill you now uh, in a weird way, but I'm going to kill you now. And that's it. Like no, you know, no if, ands, buts about it. No grandstand plans of telling bond everything. He just was going to leave and bond tricks him into doing it. And it's it's a very shallow trick. Yeah. It's so weird. Right. And then, um, like, he doesn't even do all the sort of like villainy tropes, right? Because he he doesn't leave him alone in there. He's gonna stick around for pretty much. He like he's about to leave right as the laser is gonna start cutting him in half. But like he has, I mean, he's he's got the upper hand here. Yeah, he's all he won. Yeah, you know, like even the threat of calling in 008 was like yeah, oh, right. Okay, go ahead. And he's just like, well, I trust he'll have a better uh, luck than you did. Total burn. Yeah, sick burn. Yeah. Got him yeah. good. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, so did you have any favorite gadgets in this one? Uh, I mean, is it, it, would it be fair just, well, I mean, would it be fair if I just went like the Ash and Martin? 
yeah that's a gadget that's a heck of a gadget i mean it it's you know it's bond's car when they switched over to the beamer that drove me nuts it should yeah that's just that's money right yeah obviously you know it's like when he's using nokia phones and driving bmws and you just kind of go eh, come on bond i think you'd have better taste than that uh but yeah no i love i love this ashton martin like between the machine guns the ejector seat that you know he's going to eject somebody out of you know like the the flippable license plate the oil slick all this stuff seemed like a true spy car um you know and yeah. the, the little gps tracker on it where it just you know beep 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 i i i loved it yeah the, followed by the seagull thing that he <laughs> in the i was initial. just gonna say you know just i'm not gonna say the the uh i'm not gonna say the um car because i want to be like have some variety in here mine was going to be seagull hat <laughs> yeah i mean i give it to you the seagull hat is a close second to me they definitely close close up on that thing like whoa what is this i was i was just like do seagulls hang out at night i thought they they they, they were not nocturnal birds so they, they it, went to go roost to be honest it looked like a pigeon anyway um I mean, yeah, it could have been whatever, but <laughs> yep, either or. Um, but uh, yeah, it it is a wacky plan, and it's foiled by Bond in um in what I would say is a pretty good finale. I think I didn't really remember it all that well. So when they kill all those soldiers, I had forgotten briefly. I remembered sort of before the the twist happened, but I had forgotten briefly that they were all okay because spoiler alert, um uh pushy uh after uh, that that horrible scene in the barn, she decides to call the FBI and the the government and and tip them off to what goldfinger's plan is so everyone sort of fakes she fake releases the gas and they fake you know very convincingly they fake getting all knocked out and so you know once gold member is already inside for some reason they spring their trap even though they probably just should have done it earlier <laughs> just i think fired on all those cars so I I likened it to the fact that they did not know where the um, the nuclear bomb was. Okay, that so, makes sense. You know, because you hear the kind of guy counter beep sound um, when the bomb is activated. So then they're like, okay, now go in um, to stop the assault. I mean, that was you know that took a lot of coordination because the people out in the town also had to pretend like they were dead. <laughs> yeah, and they did. Going so far as to have like a fake car crash that was caused by someone dying behind the wheel. Yeah, so weird. My favorite part is the fact that the soldiers that you see all knocked out throughout were the same actors, just... <laughs> just, just reused them. over and yes, over again. just used them over different thoughts. Okay, pretend you're dead here. Okay, now let's run you over to this field. Now here, pretend you're dead here. <laughs> pretend you're dead here, man. Um, 
some of the model work in this movie is rough. The I love how they have that like uh, gold me- gold member <laughs> gold fingers. Um, <laughs> gold fingers. Uh, <laughs> his uh, whatever Learjet or whatever, and then it's that terrible model, and then they have that exact same jet for He's the like government plane. <laughs> And they just put like a a USA sticker on it. Oh man, that that part is funny. But let it let's talk about how Goldfinger bites the proverbial dust, uh, <laughs> quite quite literally. I... He. <laughs> so we got a little bit. Of this we this was foreshadowed before when when uh, Pushy pulls a gun a 45 on bond and bond mansplains to the pilot in the room what happens if you uh fire that in there um and then of course uh he does the same to goldfinger later uh, as goldfinger pulls his golden gun not the golden gun let's don't the first the first golden gun in a bond movie yep but not the golden gun a golden gun um and uh and he busts out that window and (laughs) as uh old bond will tell you he is sucked into outer space what happened where's goldfinger playing his golden harp (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean he got i mean he he got taken out like nancy's mom did in fucking a nightmare on Elm street <laughs> yeah exactly such, he, he's a big he, he's a big guy he's a he is a uh girthy fellow and him flying through the air is so unintentionally funny and uh then i love how they like they show his legs go out and you're like surely there is there is not enough pressure up here to uh to suck him the west rest of the way out Uh, oh no sir cut back and now his head's just coming out (laughs) (laughs) they skip the middle part yeah i mean I didn't want to be like, well, what actually would happen if a plane depressurized that way? I don't believe it would suck everybody out like that, but fucking no. I mean, I don't think you get sucked into outer space either. I think he says that when, when the first time they're sort of explaining what will happen, and he's like saying we'll be sucked into outer space, which is a funny, I guess technically it's right because it's a space outside of where they are, but. It does seem like he is going to be sucked into outer space. (laughs) I mean, shit, as high up as they were, why not? Why not? Fucking send Goldfinger into space. It's cool. Send Goldfinger into space. I mean, are you, are you, did he, I forget, did he hold on to the gun the whole time? Or did that I, get knocked to the side? You know, I don't remember, but some some say he is still out there now. F- still flying in outer space. I was just picturing him hitting the ground and then just bursting to a bunch of gold coins. <laughs> it's like, pop! 
Oh, God. Oh, hey. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> like, ding, some sort ding. of so- sonic music sting. Or like, yeah, fucking Mario getting some gold coins. Just climb through the viscera that was Goldfinger to get it, and you'll be good to go. <laughs> so, um, what'd you think, John? After experiencing this with new adult eyes, um, you know, what did you come away with? Don't watch movies from my past because yeah. <laughs> yep. the memory that I hold of them will be forever changed. Yeah, I think some movies are maybe better left in the old halls of me- the memory. Uh, yeah, I think I like I, I said before, or maybe we said that as uh, off mic, but I don't know if I'll be coming back to this one ever. I I mean look to be fair is let me ask you this is Bond in your repertoire like do you go back and watch a Bond movie every now and then fairly I do, consistent well not I mean when it's on like a uh, like when there's a marathon on TV I'll tune in and I've seen all of the almost all of the ones that were released while I've been alive in the theater, except for a couple of the most recent ones. Um, so I would say I'm a pretty big Bond fan, but um, I don't know. I have these new ones, and these new ones are very good, so I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't... I don't go back and be like, you know what I really want to watch? You know fucking uh, yeah i, I want to go back and watch license to kill or uh you know, living daylights or something like that i don't or if you do a kill jesus right. that one you you know i don't sit back and go like damn i can't wait to watch that again it's almost like the memory of bond is more than enough for me like i will always if there's a new bond movie i will always watch it um right. yeah you know, regardless of whether I like the Bond or not, I, you know, it's kind of like, it feels like that type of event movie. But as far as, like, coming back and wanting to watch this one again, I don't think I need to. Um, it was problematic. And, you know, again, obviously, you know, I'm not making excuses for the film. It is completely and utterly 100% a product of its time. And it's thinking, and it and it's more, I think, to its detriment if you are just kind of looking at it as a as a whole versus just oh, it's just a fun you know romp, you know of you know right. ad- action adventure, you know, you know girls and all that, and that's all that's all Bond is, and you know it's a, it's a, it's a fun romp, but you know I can't do that anymore. Um, Especially as we've been kind of watching these things from, you know, our childhood that I haven't seen in a while. I go, oh, god damn, man. Like, this, this this doesn't pass muster anymore. This isn't right. It wasn't right then, but I didn't know any better. But as I've grown older, I've learned this this isn't right. So, yeah, I don't think this is a movie I need to revisit. That being said, I still think it's probably the best of the Conneries. Don't, 
know what that means anymore, but, <laughs> you know, I think it's the best that he's done, and, you know, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the kind of thing, like, we are, we set this goal for ourselves to choose a, uh, one of these movies that was the best from each er- era, and this was the one we chose and so uh i mean it is our select with those caveats so i mean i hope if you choose to to watch it yourself you keep those in mind um and uh you don't know that there will be parts of it that will be hard to watch but um there are some fun parts too there's some there's some fun vehicles and gadgets and and characters and so uh it gets our select for the connery era next up is who's next roger roger moore nope no is it lazenby yep excellent so we'll be checking out um uh what is it? On Her Majesty's Secret Service? Yes. In Her Majesty's Secret no, Service? No, God, On not her... that dirty. On Her Majesty's Secret <laughs> Service. It is, it is one of my favorite Bond films of... I don't know. It's going to be hard to say now, but it is... My, I haven't watched it in a few years, but I've watched it fairly recently, and I don't think it's nearly as bad as this one is in okay. that regard it has all the the things that you would i guess it, i mean it's weird right like bond is like this generational thing like you go to watch him do super you know crazy actiony stuff with cool gadgets and you know being debonair and doing all this stuff and that's that those are kind of your you know cool cars all the your villains who monologue and secret layers and all this you know tropey shit and that's why you go to watch it but now you kind of go back and go ooh the yeah i mean they're not all so bad this no, one this ends up being extra bad i think because of the scene with uh, uh pussy galore pushing. and bond in the barn i think yeah that, that, that she that's literally he is forcing herself on him in a way that wasn't too uncommon in movies at the time like you said but they're not all like that no they're not and if I, as far as i remember on her majesty secret service not like this it has to me probably the most character development of any bond uh, movie outside of I guess of the uh, uh, Daniel Craig mm-hmm. series. Yeah, he he's grounded in a way. Like I said, it has my favorite like uh, alternative take on the Bond. So and obviously we weren't we're not going to be doing this next week. We'll t- we'll take a little while, burn out some Bond, so then we can go it. But lands lands and bees. You know, as the end of this movie said, James Bond will return in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which was supposed to be the next film after Goldfinger, but they could not get a place at the Swiss Alps, so that's why they did Thunderball first. Well, there you go. Uh, Looking forward to that one. It's been a really long time since I've seen it, so I think that's going to be a special treat. Um, 
<laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I gotta go well, through I... my head already. <laughs> well, I uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode, even though there were parts of it that were challenging to talk about. And I do hope that you will join us uh, next week for another brand new episode of Pop Saga. So, as we like to say, from our family to yours, uh, we hope that you stay happy, we hope that you stay healthy, and we'll see you next week. I'm your Huckleberry. Red Dead Redemption Online. Check it out. Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh yeah, you heard right, this is a lifestyle, welcome to the nerd life, Pop Sock.